The Naive Theater of the Air presents Rewired by Matthew Broyles. Episode 2, The Fugitive. He had become one with inertia. Every day was the same. Meals, reading, all media tunes or shows, sleeping. It was the sleeping that proved difficult. He hadn't gone to bed without stims since his early teens. Worse, his body had come to expect the high doses, so even getting it up for manual relief was a chore. Was this how normal people lived? There was, of course, nothing normal about BDF headquarters. No sun. No trips to the bodega, no booze, and certainly no sex. At least none that he wanted any part of. Mostly. His neighbors were all mental patients, those who were not violent, but just enough off-center to make them unfit for public interaction. One of them, Nina, befriended him on his first morning in the cafeteria. She lived in room two and had big brown eyes. Much too attractive to be a loony, in Harry's opinion. One morning, she invited him to sit with her by the holographic fireplace, where they both dug into egg and cheese bagels and chatted about old movies. I mean, they should have stopped at the first one. Maybe, but I don't know. There was some hotness in that second one. Yeah, a lot of people think that Reloaded Scene is an orgy, but it's referred to in the script as a tribal rave. Yeah, a lot of people spend a lot of time analyzing shit instead of just enjoying it. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Hey, so... I'm going to go ahead and ask. Ask what? I mean, I see all these whack jobs walking around. Why on earth are you in here? Nina's gaze rose to meet his and stayed there. After a few moments, he tried waving his hand in front of her to get a reaction, but instead only saw a line of saliva begin dripping down from the left corner of her mouth. He positioned a receiving napkin out of consideration and left her to a private oblivion. It was a damn shame. The library and all media archives were well-stocked, as he suspected they would be. All old, of course. It wasn't that no one was making new things, but the landscape for the rewired world's entertainment artisans was tricky. No one would watch a film made post-secession, for fear it had been seeded by spies. Recorded music tracked in the past three decades was similarly suspect. Thus, theater and live concerts were the popular outlets, and Harry certainly wasn't going to be able to partake in those activities anymore. Not that he ever had much. In the cave of his apartment, he'd effectively time-warped his cultural awareness back over 40 years. It hadn't really held him back. He was impressed that the ward had some old rock albums, on vinyl, that he'd only seen at collector's shops. But sadly, nothing like his wish-you-were-here, good-witch-bad-witch stem vid that was probably hitting the government auction net about now. He settled down with a queue of Beatles and Nirvana classics and stayed in his cube till lunchtime. After lunch, some John Wayne and Tarantino 
Pity the two never worked together, he thought. Then dinner, followed by hours-long, vain attempts to sleep. Mornings usually found him in an all-media cube, drooling on the control pad. Every day since had been some variation of that one. On the occasions when he saw a Foch on the floor, he would ask about his father's status, but got little in return. He was in the care of Dr. Barrett, and that was the best place he could possibly be, blah blah. A few weeks ago, Harry would have agreed with that assessment. Now he wasn't sure. He and his father were not friends, but it bothered him that someone else was now in charge of the old bastard. What if they were fucking it up? He sat on his couch, defeated, in the middle of some nameless day. He needed something new. Nina had offered him what sounded like a date in her room. That was something he'd scarcely managed in normal life, and the idea of trying it in here filled him with overwhelming anxiety, so he hadn't answered yet. He thought about shaving his beard, now midway down his chest, but he wasn't sure he wanted to see his face anymore. Maybe he should grow his hair out, too, so no one could make out an expression behind the hairy curtain. Maybe he could start working out, but what for? He wasn't going anywhere that he couldn't get to in a wheelchair. Harry Selden was finished. Mr. Selden. Eugene? Please report to the main staircase. Dr. Vincent will meet you there. Harry's eyes boggled. He had no idea what a Dr. Vincent was, but it had to be more interesting than the rest of this day. He put on his pants, which definitely needed a size upgrade soon, and stumbled out the door. As he approached the end of the hallway through which he had entered this nightmarish nothing umpteen eons ago, he saw a short, stout figure in a lab coat waiting for him. Upon closer examination, it was a woman. Maybe late forties, blonde spike cut with white streaks, biceps visibly bulging beneath her white jacket. A placid expression. The type one gets when they know they can kick your ass. Good morning, Mr. Selden. I'm glad one of us knows what time it is. Let's go visit your father. Um, okay. Slightly stunned, Harry nodded and followed her down the staircase. All this time it had seemed like his father was being kept in a far-off castle beyond a moat. But in truth, it was less than a five-minute walk to his room on the floor below Harry's. As before, they didn't enter the room itself, but the adjacent viewing room, through whose transparent window Harry saw the unconscious form of his father, laid out just as before on the examination table. Has he moved since we got here? The table adjusts into a physical therapy module, which we use while he's unconscious. He's not awake often, and when he is, no one can enter the room without provoking a violent reaction. I knew it would happen one day. He's finally cracked. We've got the surveillance vids, but I'd like to know your experience regarding your father's condition. I don't know. He'd been seeing them every now and then for most of my life. I just put it down to one more thing that pissed me off about him. He's a difficult man to live with? He's an asshole. Always was. Has to do everything better than everyone else. Given what Dr. Barrett told me about his whole secession experience, I guess he had some unresolved pride issues. I brought home a blue ribbon from the science fair in junior high, and he pinned me to the ground. So that until I could defend myself from a miserable old man, I was worthless. I kicked him in the nuts later that night, and he grounded me for a week. When did the hallucinations increase? A few months before the train incident. I couldn't take him anywhere. He cursed at everyone and threatened to kill their little puppet masters. I hid his key and only let him go out with me in the middle of the night, when there weren't as many people around. He tried to fight me about it, but I guess I wasn't worthless anymore. Or at least he was older and more arthritic. Pretty depressing. What did he claim to see? Same thing all the busted rewired see. Little gray men. How did he describe them? 
I asked him one time, I'm sorry I did. He claimed they were like little kids, but with long arms, kind of like orangutans, except they were dark gray and had big black eyes and claws in them, their hands and feet. He wasn't sure if they had wings, but thought they might. Their forms were very fuzzy to him. And what did he say they did? He claimed that they drank people. Drank them? Vampire style, through the neck. He said they rode around on people's backs and would periodically sink their fangs into them. I asked him what they were drinking, and he said he didn't know, but that it might be their souls. Souls? Your father didn't seem to be a religious man. Dad thought God grabbers were pussies. He went to a funeral for one of his military buddies, and there was a preacher there. Dad walked out, mumbling something about faggots. So what was all this souls business about? I asked him the same thing, but he called me a nosy fuckface. What do you know about the Vorn Elimination Front? Wackadoo. I mean, the disciples piss me off, but they're harmless. The VEF is talking warfare. Against the Vorn? Yes, which is some stupid shit, since supposedly these little bastards are on everyone's backs. From what I hear, some of the VEF are talking about concentration camps, where the population can be cleansed of their parasites. They even had someone on the council ballot in Bay Ridge last year, but no one's heard from him since. Hell, he's probably in here somewhere. We get all kinds. Am I allowed to ask you questions? Maybe. What do you think the odds are of my dad getting better here? This is the best place for him. As you know, Dr. Barrett is the foremost neurologist in the Republic and one of the greatest scientists in the world. We hope that your father can one day be the success story that leads to the end of this devastating ailment for all who suffer its indignities. While she was speaking, Harry noticed her writing something on a small scrap of paper. As she continued speaking, she got up and walked to the window, leaving the paper in front of him. He dared not cast his glance around at the cameras posted on every wall, but he wanted to see what she'd written. Of course they were watching, but the doctor knew that too. And yet she was staring at the paper too, as if she wanted him to read it. What was this? As it did most days, Harry's mind turned to all media memories, stumbled upon a relevant scene. Then he did something he had never done with a woman. The fake yawn. The arc of his arm touched down upon the paper, snatching it up nonchalantly as he completed the circle. Scratching himself as crudely as possible, he deposited the contraband into his pocket. Dr. Vincent's eyes narrowed a bit, with strained patience. I suppose you're right. I appreciate your confidence. I've been working with Dr. Barrett for many years now, and I have the utmost trust in his methods. Okay. He was out of ideas, and the tiny sheet in his pants seemed to weigh a ton. Picking up her notepad, the doctor motioned him towards the door. If it makes you feel better, I can give you regular status updates as we progress. The fog in Harry's mind after weeks of cerebral static was thick, but not that thick. Right, sure. I, uh, look forward to the, you know, the thing. Dr. Vincent dropped him back at the top of the stairs, disappearing without a backward glance. It was all he could do to conceal his urgency as he forcibly strolled to his room. Dropping his pants, he sat on the toilet. He fumbled with the toilet paper, conveniently close to his pocket. Opening the wad of tissue, the message on the scrap was at last revealed. Lily is alive. Eyes wide, Harry wiped his ass with the paper and flushed. The next few weeks were like watching a spy movie from the inside. Only it was cut up, naked lunch style, so Harry couldn't tell what exactly was going on at any given time. A pattern had emerged, though. Meet with Dr. Vinson, receive note, retire to the restroom in confusion. He couldn't risk keeping the papers in his room, so he had to memorize them and try to piece them together in his head. 
The doctor had started with three words, but now the messages were shorter and more cryptic. Eolian. Governors. Bronwyn. 0215. Tubman. Dr. Richard Kimball. Upon receiving the last, Harry had sat up straight in his toilet seat. He quickly regained his composure, if only outwardly, and for the camera's benefit. He knew that name, but he didn't know why. He had the maddening suspicion that something was about to be sprung on him. A thing that he was supposed to know about. And when it arrived, anxious and furtive, he felt increasingly certain that he was not the person it was looking for. He wished he had his sock and a truckload of stim. He couldn't even get a drink, much less a porn net connection. Settling for Barbarella alone in the all-media cube, Harry fought to escape his intuition. But upon exiting hours later, disappointed, a time tag by the door shook him awake. February 13th, 0215. Maybe. But then what? He had to find Dr. Vincent. Already it was dinner time. Ducking into his room, he stabbed at the compad. Can you get a message to Dr. Vincent? I need to see her as soon as possible. I remember something she needs. Dr. Vincent has left the building. Perhaps you would like to leave a message. What do you mean? She doesn't have quarters here? Not everyone is so lucky. Okay, that's fine. Um, look, tell her I need to see her first thing tomorrow morning. It's something that she'll find, uh, very valuable. I am sure. Have a good evening, Mr. Selden. Oh, Jesus. The external camera showed only Nina, deceptively normal, bobbing up and down on her heels like a schoolgirl. Dinner time. I'm bored. Come on. For a mental ward, the food wasn't too bad. It certainly didn't stop Harry going back for seconds and occasionally thirds. Nina was having a good day and didn't slip into any trances while they ate. Maybe General Soap was to thank. Harry made a mental note. He wasn't entirely sure why the only attractive female on the floor kept seeking out someone in his current state of disrepair, but then he thought of his competition. It was entirely possible that he was the only clinically sane person on their floor. And apart from her episode, she was a perfectly intelligent woman. The way she eyed him was unnerving in a mostly good way. So, I'm going to go ahead and ask. Why on earth are you in here? You, uh, you remember that. My seizures aren't blackouts. I just lose muscle control. Sometimes I'd rather not remember. I can understand that. So, I mean... When I'm doing things, and it happens, I can still feel what's going on. Uh-huh. And sometimes... sometimes it's nice. It's my dad. What? My dad's in one of the labs downstairs. Oh. That's why I'm here. Really, now that I think about it, that doesn't make a lot of sense. No. I mean, surely there's... Look, I want to. What? I'm talking, which is what I do to keep from freaking out. Is that okay? Sure. Because I really want to. But if I say it, I'm going to freak out. So my dad's downstairs. They don't know what's wrong with him, but Dr. Vincent says... You want to what? The thing you said. Now I know why you're in Do you want a fortune cookie? I don't know. Will it keep you from freaking out? Yes. Maybe. Okay, then. Go ahead. Harry got up stiffly. He returned with a handful of cookies. That's a lot of fortune. Yeah, well, my hands are big. Yeah, I noticed that. I'm sorry. Look, don't get crazy. 
We're the best we could get in here. Let's not point out the plot holes. I'm not sure how to take that. However you want. Just take it. Harry Selden lost his virginity at the age of 28. Could have gone worse. There was a moment where he knew Nina had shut down, but he followed her instructions to keep going, damn the torpedoes. She was definitely awake at the end. The absence of stem in his system worried him, but apparently there were ways around that. He had no idea. As he lay awake, crumpled up beside her in his tiny bed, he wondered what to call this. Was she his girlfriend now? Could you have a girlfriend in the psych ward? The camera had surely seen, but no one had come in to interfere. It occurred to him that he would like to have seen the look on Foch's face. At last he did fall asleep, and when he awoke, Nina was gone. They spent the morning apart, Nina in the library and Harry in his all-media cube, floating in a drug-like haze. It was only upon exiting for lunch that the panic returned. February 14th. He had to talk to Dr. Vinson. Calls to Foch were in vain. The doctor was out. No one knew when she would be back. Nina was already in the dining room. Somehow, she ate a ham sandwich more beautifully than anyone he'd ever seen. Afternoon. Hi. So, are you going to freak out on me? I don't think so. That's good. I have a problem, though. Do tell. Who is Dr. Richard Kimball? I have no idea. Damn. Does he work here? I don't think so. Seems fictional to me somehow. What the hell are you talking about? Shit! What? What? Shit. Harry, what the hell? If this is what sex does to The you, fugitive. Oh, you are crazy. Never mind. I might have known. I finally find someone to... No, listen. We'll talk later. We will. Well, I thought... Settle down. Look, let's just... I don't care. You're fine. Are you patronizing me? Yes. God damn it, Nina. So you've got issues. Who in here doesn't? I'm not... Yes, you are. And so am I. And we can do what we want to do anytime we like, okay? Now calm down. Mr. Selden. Jesus. Dr. Vincent for you, Mr. Selden. Ah, good. Yes, good. If you'll follow me. Yes, fine. Um, see you later? Anything's possible, I guess. <clears throat> Harry. I'm glad you got my message. Message? Damn it. Harry, come downstairs. But I need to... There hasn't been much change, but I said I would keep you informed. Are you all right? Possibly. Yes. Maybe. Well, as I said, your father's condition hasn't really changed since yesterday, but we are trying something new. Harry followed her gaze into the room where his unconscious father slept, meditated. What exactly was it he did all day with his eyes closed? Had they drugged him? He was breathing, at least. As the old man's chest rose and fell, he noticed something shiny there. What's that? An experiment. Harry squinted and walked closer to the glass. The object on his father's chest was on a black lanyard. It was small and glinted a bit in the light, silvery blue. Do you want to test it? Um, sure. We know for a fact that he has seen, that he believes he has seen your Vorn, your personal one. Yes. So you are the control. And this thing... May block out the neural activities responsible for the hallucinations. You know what causes it? We may have narrowed it down. Have you ever heard of the God Helmet? No. It was a device built in the 1980s consisting of magnetic coils placed at strategic points within a piece of headgear. 
When placed on a subject's head, its inventor claimed it's caused the wearer to experience the presence of another consciousness or a sentient being. That's odd. The scientific community thought so as well, particularly since only a minuscule portion of test subjects had those experiences. Less than 1%, which, extrapolated to the larger population, constitutes approximately one in every quarter million. The doctor stopped, looking significantly at Harry, much to his bafflement. He stared blankly at her for a moment. Then it hit him. One in every quarter million. The magic rewire botch number. He began to nod. She nodded back, leading him slowly. Through painstaking research and the occasional unorthodox information gathering mission, we have reconstructed the effect using more modern technology. From experiments on your father and others, we've discovered that there's a part of the rewiring process that can, in some cases, strengthen the sections of the brain most powerfully affected by these stimuli. Harry sank into his seat. He'd only ever seen his father at rest, but now he pictured the experiments, making the Vorn more real than ever, stimulating the old man's already overstimulated imagination. He was glad he hadn't been there for that. With this data, we believe we've developed a device which will dampen that effect but we need to be sure. What if it doesn't? You won't be in any danger. We have him restrained. He doesn't give a damn about that. If he sees one of those things, he might play nice until we let him loose. That hasn't been our experience. It was a whole other world down here. Harry felt ashamed. He'd been fucking around with old movies and strange women upstairs while his father was chained in a dungeon fighting for his sanity. He sat up straight. I'll do it. Good. I know you two haven't always... It doesn't matter. He's my dad. The doctor led him out the door and around to his father's room. It occurred to Harry that he'd never actually been inside. It was clinically clean, with mysterious devices neatly placed along the walls. A classy torture chamber. As Dr. Vincent touched a button on the wall, an IV tube on the old man's arm filled with some bluish liquid. The sleeper wakes, thought Harry. He clenched inside. Within a few moments, his father's eyes fluttered open. Dazed, he didn't seem to see Harry at first, or anything. I'm here again. Good morning, Sergeant Selden. Lars Selden nodded slowly. His eyes began to cast around the room, looking for something. Only then did he spy his son. Alarm shook him. Harry, get out of here! Dad, I've been upstairs the whole time. You've been what? What have they been doing to you? Nothing. Look, Dad, they've been trying to help you. I know it seems... These... people are under their control. The Vorn... They're... Where are they? Harry took a sharp breath. It had worked. Dad, we think they fixed you. Did they wire me again? What did these bastards do to no me? No wiring, Sergeant Selden. Think of the treatment as an aspirin for your headache. Yeah, just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not there. You scientists should know that. Harry cautiously approached his father. A man doubly imprisoned, both his body and his mind. With all the courage he could muster, he reached out a hand to touch the tired soldier's arm his surprise, there was no recoil. Dad, I don't want you to stay in this room for the rest of your life, and you don't either. Son, if I thought you had the balls, I'd ask you to kill me right here and now. Better than becoming an exhibit in this goddamned medicine show. You know what, Dad? You're right. If I had the balls to kill you, I'd have done it in your sleep years ago. Instead, I'll let you die in the big glass jar, in front of anyone who'll pay to see the healed Vorn Seer. At least then you'll be good for something. Say that shit to me when these straps are off. Dr. Vincent punched another button on the wall to release a sedative. Within moments, the old man fell slack. 
Harry turned away. Well, at least he was talking to you and not the little devil on your shoulder. Hooray for progress. You'll notice that Sergeant Selden made no mention of the amulet. Huh. Weird. That's part of the effect. Out of sight, out of mind. Like the Vorn. Then he heard a crinkle. He turned to see Dr. Vincent crumpling a piece of paper from her notepad and placing it on a tray, from which she now nonchalantly strolled away towards the door. Harry looked back at his sleeping father while slipping the paper ball into his pocket. His heart was pounding. Vincent was already in the hall, and Harry tried his best not to seem hurried as he followed her to the staircase. There had to be a way to ask her questions, but obviously she was hiding her communications from the cameras, so he had to come up with something similar. Or... Can I borrow your notepad for a moment? My notes are strictly confidential. I just need some paper to write something down. The doctor's piercing gaze, a laser through his skull, sent Harry's head bowing in deference. I will contact you soon. Goodbye, Harry. Harry trudged up the staircase. If he looked at the note, he would be no wiser than if he threw it away. He balled his fist in frustration. No one had asked him if he wanted to be part of some super-secret decoder ring society. Storming into his bathroom, he sat down, grabbed a wad of toilet paper, and slipped the new note just inside. One word. Mandela. Harry's guts froze up. He wanted to either cry or hit something. He wasn't stupid, never had been. He knew that he had been fooling himself, that all of this was a mystery, one that had been forced upon him by people smarter than he. But that was bullshit. Forcing normality on this new status quo. Dr. Benson was going to jailbreak him, he could guess that much. The worst part was that he knew, with a cold certainty, that his father was coming with him. His crazy, pride-addled, lethally trained father. Someone would wind up dead. Harry Selden was damned if it was going to be him. You've been listening to the naive theater of the air performance of Rewired, featuring Reed Perry as Lars, Levi Ray as Harry, Trista Morris as Nina, Dan Herman as Eugene Foch, and Mana as Dr. Romana Vinson. Written and narrated by Matthew Broyles. Theme music by Paul Shapira. I'm Little Jack Melody. Tune in next time for episode three, The Island.